0: you <laughs> Hello I'm Marcus Louth and welcome to the latest edition of the UFO Insight Podcast where we examine all things UFOs and aliens, conspiracies and mysteries and all aspects of the paranormal. Okay today we will look at the seemingly bizarre claims of an alien-human hybridisation programme and indeed such a notion does, on the surface at least, appear outlandish. However, as seemingly preposterous as the idea might be to some, many alien abduction researchers and investigators have come to just such conclusions, with the overriding conclusion being that such a programme is the main drive behind the alien abduction phenomena. Perhaps there is no better place to start than with some of the research from those who have investigated such claims. David Jacobs, for example, carried out extensive research into alien abductions, releasing several books on the subject. All of his books have been published by respected publishers, and the fact that Jacobs having taught American history at Temple University for over three decades gives him a little bit of credibility in such a fringe field. Jacobs came to the conclusion that aliens have been abducting humans for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Perhaps more worryingly, he believes the reason for this is that they are preparing to take over the world. According to Jacobs Reckoning, alien-human hybrids are walking among us right now and they aren't friendly. His research suggests that female abductees suffer artificial impregnation and then have their fetuses later removed. The story of Linda Jones from Manchester in England is just one example of an account that has all the hallmarks highlighted by Jacobs. On a late summer's evening in 1979, Linda and her two young children were picking flowers while walking along the River Mersey. One of her children suddenly shouted out that the moon was coming towards them. Linda turned around and made out a disc-shaped object heading towards where they were standing. Initially captivated by it, she soon came to her senses, scooped up her children's hands and ran. Only when they were safe at home did she realise that she couldn't account for around 90 minutes of time. Hypnotic regression allowed Linda to recall a floating sensation before she found herself in a room with three figures with large black almond-shaped eyes. In the weeks that followed, Linda sought medical advice due to severe changes in her menstrual cycle. Following an examination, it came to light that she had recently been pregnant, but had suffered an ectopic pregnancy. Linda insisted there must be a mistake. There wasn't, at least according to the medical evidence. Was Linda's mystery fetus, seemingly removed without her knowledge, part of the so-called alien-human hybrid agenda? In short, it is Jacob's conclusion that these extraterrestrials plan to become the dominant race on the planet, essentially to take over control of the Earth by creating alien-human hybrids, and the more we explore the theory, the more bizarre but equally captivating it is. As Jacob himself writes in Walking Among Us, he is on rather shaky ground with such assertions. They have, however, been arrived at through years of extensive research, with many who claim to have been repeatedly abducted by extraterrestrial entities. Jacob also writes that when he interviews those who claim to have been abducted, he waits for patterns to emerge, elaborating how he waits until he hears multiple descriptions of the same thing, and that this is the most important aspect of abduction investigation. Indeed, if Jacob is correct in his research, then our understanding and perception of the UFO and alien question may change drastically, as will the urgency in our collective need to reach that understanding. There is little doubt that the general suggestion and apparent accounts of Jacobs would sit more nicely in a blockbuster movie or high-profile television series. Essentially, at its most basic, not only that many people around the world are being abducted by aliens for experimental purposes, but they are also essentially being used to train the hybrid human-aliens to live here on Earth in anticipation of this change, and they do so for the most part against their own will. This last detail might be one of the most intriguing notions that these extraterrestrial entities, including those that are half alien, half human, have the power to make humans carry out actions against their own will, often without them even realising it. Might this control explain why many people do not recall abductions, and at least some of them go to whatever location they might take place in, essentially of their own accord, and might this mental control one day be used against us, en masse? There are, though, many blank areas in just what is going on behind the scenes of these alien abductions and the apparent end goal that there is to them. This is, in part, due to abductees only seeing what they need to see, and partly because they have likely undergone some kind of memory-blocking procedure, something that comes up in other alien abduction research. Jacobs again reveals some intriguing details of these alien environments. He recalls the account of Allison, who had separated herself from her alien hybrid escort and found herself in a strange room containing a semicircle of about 40 tilted back coffin-like boxes. Even more chilling, these boxes contained grey aliens immersed in liquid. As Alison studied the scene in front of her, the boxes suddenly moved and tilted forward slightly. As they did so, the liquid drained from them and their fronts opened. Following this, the grey aliens stepped outside from the containers. When her escort discovered her and took her out of the room, he replied to her when she asked what had been taking place, that the aliens were eating and sleeping. As Jacob notes, while he wasn't sure what to make of the sleeping aspect, getting nutrition through dermal absorption is consistent with other accounts in his files. The main notion that comes through in reading the suggestions and accounts of Jacobs is the sheer confusion on the part of these apparent alien beings at the complexity and intricacy of the human existence, perhaps especially so in the modern world. Everything from living in a house or an apartment, who you might live in that residence with, to where you buy food, why and where you keep them in your home. And that is just a snippet of what this potential new dominant species on our planet seemingly wish to learn. The main thrust that comes through all of this is their need to understand the rules of humanity. This is something that perhaps reveals much of this alien society in existence, that the individual aliens are perhaps anything but, and instead exist with a much more collective hive mentality. In fact, Jacobs writes in Walking Among Us that aliens come from a collective society in which individuality and personal lives are virtually non-existent. Furthermore, he names two specific aliens, Ensectilians and Greys, who have limited and narrow emotional ranges. Perhaps because of this, there is also a lack of sarcasm, irony or humour within these alien societies. Furthermore, although he isn't certain, Jacob states that it is possible that no art form exists in alien society, nor might any form of entertainment. The only such hint of these things are children's toys that are used to train hybrid alien children. In short, while these extraterrestrials are more advanced in many ways, from their technological know-how to their ability to communicate telepathically, their existence is a simple and uncomplicated one, perhaps especially so when compared to the multi-layered human existence. When we examine some of the situations these abductees would recall of their training sessions with extraterrestrials, we begin to see, albeit partial, a bigger picture form in front of us. For example, every aspect of human society is examined and then taught by these abductees to the alien-human hybrids, sometimes in a one-on-one situation and sometimes with several hybrids at a time, and these training sessions take place in multiple locations. Some, it would appear, take place on board the alien spacecraft, often in rooms that have been made to look like a restaurant or a shop or even a bar. These sessions usually involve several hybrids at a time, who are put in situations that the abductee would then teach them how to react in. For example, when to join in a conversation and when to stay quiet and listen, or when to introduce yourself to someone and why. Others take place on Earth, at a natural real location. For example, one account told of an abductee having to take an alien-human hybrid, who looked exactly like any other human, remember, to a supermarket so they could train and practice shopping. The abductee guided the hybrid around the store, showing them different foods and produce. The intriguing details that surfaced during this session perhaps tell us the sheer scope of the job of teaching an alien to be human, and more importantly from the hybrid's perspective, not standing out from the crowd. Everything from what amount of food and drink they should buy, to the hybrid asking if they had to open every packet of food to check it, when the abductee opened a tray of eggs to check that none were cracked. Even paying for the goods demonstrates just how much this apparent alien race have to learn if they wish to go about their daily business under the guise of being a normal human being, when the abductee attempts to teach the hybrid, when would be appropriate to count out exact change, and when it would be best to use the nearest rounded-up dollar bill and wait for change instead. Such a thing is second nature to anyone on Earth, but for these extraterrestrials, like many other things we take for granted, they don't know the rules of such engagement. In fact, knowing the rules is something that these alien-human hybrids appear to have a hard time truly understanding. And what's more, if these revelations are true, and such a takeover of our planet is being planned and possibly even underway, it might present us with an opportunity to fight back should we need to. We have mentioned that these training sessions are undertaken by hybrids using some form of discrete mental control. Essentially, they have no choice in carrying out these lessons, even though they are aware, at least while in their company, the end result would be taken over the planet by this alien-human hybrid race. However, the lack of understanding of the multi-layered complexity of the human existence, as well as the fact that each of us are very much an individual with their own unique view of the world and indeed our reality, might offer humans an opportunity to defend themselves against its apparent looming takeover. Essentially, the need for this extraterrestrial race to have strict rules to follow and live by could be taken advantage of and worked against them. Might it be possible, for example, to simply plant false knowledge and information in the mindsets of these alien hybrids and, in turn, their extraterrestrial rulers? Perhaps a coming together of those involved would be required and most definitely a need for a predetermined plan and strategy. However, even such suggestions reek of that movie fantasy-like quality and are most likely to be dismissed unreservedly as nonsense. In fact, the main obstacle will perhaps prove to be that the general collective human mindset tends to reject such notions as laughable and beyond bizarre. And while it's hard to argue against that, at least convincingly, it might prove to be a mindset that proves to be our collective undoing. What should we make to the seemingly outlandish claims of David Jacobs? As bizarre as they might be, they certainly do make a certain amount of sense. For example, if alien abductions are genuinely taking place, where experiments are undertaken, the idea of an end goal of these extraterrestrials preparing themselves to take over the planet would fit nicely into why this is happening. And while such an assertion does indeed come straight out of a science fiction script, it is one that if we do accept alien abductions are happening, we should perhaps consider. We should also remind ourselves that many other people and researchers have arrived at similar theories and conclusions, and while we should treat each of these with a certain amount of salt, the idea that an alien presence, possibly involving alien-human hybrids, is one that is more widespread than many of us might think. If these theories are indeed true, is there anything we can do to alter our apparent fate? How long will such a changing of the guard in terms of rulers of the planet take? Might, for example, such a change take place over such a long period of time that it basically goes by unnoticed until it is too late? Might this change already be underway, however discreetly, with those who might attempt to highlight them being laughed at and shouted down by those with a more of a grounded view of the world? It isn't just David Jacobs, however, that has made such suggestions following extensive research into the issue of alien abduction. Respected researcher and author, the late Bud Hopkins, arrived at a similar conclusion. He explored this view several times in his book, Intruders. When writing about the experiences of three women, none of whom were aware of the other's experience nor even knew each other, who after recalling of abduction encounters, Hopkins hints at a remarkable, if grim, conclusion. He writes, all three women have either had dreams or normal recollections of having been shown, at later times, tiny offspring, whose appearance suggests they are something other than completely human. They are, in fact, hybrids, partly human, and partly what we must call, for want of a better term, alien. Hopkins continues that while it is unthinkable and unbelievable to consider such a notion, it appeared clear that the evidence points in that direction. He would summarise that it very much appeared that an ongoing and systematic breeding experiment must be considered one of the central purposes of UFO abductions. Without a doubt, one of the most important researchers into alien abduction, ultimately as his work was largely peer-reviewed, was that of John Mack, who also arrived at conclusions as to the possibility of some kind of hybridization programme. Mack produced several books on the subject of alien abduction, and authored many more articles. However, it is his 1994 book, Abduction, Human Encounters with Aliens, that we are concerned with here. Following his 1990 meeting with established alien abductee researcher Bud Hopkins, Mack began researching and interviewing many alleged victims. From these interviews and regression sessions came the aforementioned book. It's perhaps important to remember that Mack's methods were peer-reviewed by colleagues at Harvard University, and while many were standoffish regarding the findings, his methods were seen as solid and not leading the subject as many detractors often state. In short, Mack is widely regarded as a solid researcher and hypnotic regressor, Perhaps the drive to have his credentials re-examined was a reaction of his unbiased and revealing findings of the true origins, potential and place of humanity in the big scheme of the universe. Matt would also examine aspects of abduction which involved the heightening of senses of the victims, as well as their apparent sudden spiritual development. Some abductees would even claim a hybrid alien nature, which sounds truly bizarre at first, but would fall in line with the results of other equally respected and serious-minded researchers. So what should we make of the plethora of claims from just a small percent of the abductees studied and researched by Mac? While all of these subjects hail from the northeast of the United States, around the Massachusetts, New Hampshire and Maine regions, the details they describe occur not only across America, but all over the world. Might the cases that Mac has studied all have been the responsibility of the same alien species, the greys? And is the location part of the answer to these most perplexing cases, or are, as is most likely, such incidents taking place all across the planet? Are alien entities behind these abductions, or might they be part of some kind of top-secret government experiment? With that in mind, we might also examine the claims of Eddie Page. Page recalls the details of his strange past with the help of hypnotic regression. According to Page, his whole existence is part of a top-secret experiment carried out by the United States government and an alien race. His father is an extraterrestrial from the Pallades star system. Page even goes as far as to claim he has medical records showing his blood group as undetermined. Furthermore, he states his military documentation officially states he is not of human origin. The experiments took place in the early 1950s, with the United States government receiving advanced alien technology in return for citizens. Page claimed that a total of 32 alien-human hybrids came into being as a result of the experiment. He has done extensive research and believes that only eight, including himself, are still alive. Cynthia Crawford made remarkably similar claims when she stated she was the result of a secret government experiment. According to Cynthia, who lives in Arizona, her father had experimented with alien devices recovered from crashed alien ships while based in Korea in the early 1950s. Crawford goes on to say that her human mother became artificially impregnated with part of her biological father's genes and part alien genes. For that reason, her DNA, she claims, is only 34% human. According to Crawford, she has had many UFO and alien experiences throughout her life and she believes these connect back to the program that she is a part of. As the decades of the 2000s have unfolded, there have been several intriguing and at times disturbing claims that have seemingly revolved around alien-human hybrids. A story appeared online in the summer of 2015 regarding a dead body found decomposing in a car in Los Angeles. A search of the dead man's house by police revealed over a thousand guns and various other weapons. Almost a quarter of a million dollars and a huge stockpile of ammunition were also in his possession. Furthermore, he owned a total of 15 vehicles, one of which was bulletproof and very much high-tech. And these details aren't even the strange part. The man, named as Geoffrey Allen Lash, led an apparent secret life. According to his fiance, he was an alien-human hybrid working for the government. Catherine Nebron released a statement through her attorney, stating that she believed him to be an employee of an unnamed government body. It was Lash himself who had given instructions to leave his body in the car when he died. He had stated a government agent would collect him, and that Nebron was to leave town as soon as possible following his death. An employee of Nebron's Don Vadbunker Bunker also found herself tied up in the affair. She had recently left her husband of barely a year to join Lash and Nebron in their seemingly bizarre fantasy. She would rent garages for Lash's many vehicles. She claimed this was in case other agents needed to use them at short notice. Both women made their way to Oregon when Lash died in California. Nebron returned two weeks later, and only when she found his body where she had left it did she notify police. Incidentally, VAD Bunker later surfaced in Oregon, but the last report states that she refuses to return home or to speak with her family. Some quickly pointed out that Lash was nothing more than a con man, who had convinced multiple women that he was a secret alien hybrid agent. His body also displayed signs of being in the late stages of cancer, although his cause of death is officially unknown. There are some interesting questions surrounding Lash though. While there is no criminal record to speak of, no one can establish how he came by his quite extensive wealth. It also seems suspicious to some that although his body remained unreported for several weeks, the police at no stage suspected foul play. Could there be more to Lash's story than most of us would give him credit for? It certainly isn't the first time that people have made wild yet specific claims of secret hybridization programmes involving the United States military. If there is any truth to the notion of an alien-human hybridization programme, then we might ask just what is the end goal? There appears to be two differing ideas on this, the first revolves largely around the notion that such programs are carried out in an effort for the Greys to repopulate their own dying population due to their inability to procreate, something which there are also several different theories as to why they have reached this stage in their evolution. The second theory is perhaps a little more concerning, that the reason such a hybrid population is being created is to discreetly take over the world, doing so in such a way over generations that the human population will not even realise such a takeover has taken place, at least not until it is too late. As we have already examined, there are some researchers who insist that these alien-human hybrids already walk among us, with some even going as far as to say it is very likely that most people know at least one of these hybrid beings. As we can see then, there are more claims from seemingly serious-minded people than we might think. And as bizarre as the idea of a cosmic hybridization program might be to many of us, given the weight of accounts on record, it is not something that we can dismiss unreservedly and without further investigation. We might also consider just how long this apparent hybridization program has existed for. Is it, according to some researchers, the consequence of a secret deal between the grey alien race and a shadow element of the United States government reached in the 1950s? Or might such programs stretch back thousands of years into antiquity, as many of the ancient astronaut theories suggest? Indeed, if there is any truth to such claims of an alien human hybridization program, then it would be life-changing for every single one of us. The aforementioned David Jacobs perhaps said it best when asked about the relevancy of his work. He stated, It would either be an interesting but non-essential footnote, or that it will prove to be the most important thing that's ever happened to humankind. For now though, I will simply thank you for joining me once more, and be sure to leave any thoughts in the comment, as well as check out the links for further reading on some of the theories we have been discussing here today. Remember to subscribe to our channel and follow us on social media to keep up to date on future podcasts, articles and videos. And if there is anything you want us to feature on future podcast episodes, then get in touch at marcus at ufoinsight.com. Until next time, goodbye and take care.